Uh, we're going to be in chapter 2. We are in this series, if you're brand new with us, we've been in walking through this uh, letter of First Peter uh, that he's writing to a group of Jews, Jewish Christians that have been dispersed from their home, their home being Israel. They're under Roman rule. Uh, they're dispersed across the five provinces of Asia, and they need encouragement, and they're facing persecution, and they are suffering. And so Peter, the same Peter that walked with Jesus, writes this letter to them to encourage them and to remind them that they are different in Jesus Christ. He calls them sojourners. He calls them exiles, people that are different. And reminding them that this world that they're living in is not their final home. And that translates today to us living in 2021. That's the beauty of God's word that regardless of the time that it's preached, the, the, the God's word applies to every context, every culture that we live in. And so we have been walking through this book reminding ourselves that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who's placed their trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for your sins, you are different in Jesus. And we're called to live differently. So how do we live differently? How do we live in such a way that, that demonstrates that we've been changed by Jesus Christ and the living hope that we have that this world is not our final home. So we find ourselves in verses 13 through 25 this morning. And so I'm going to read verses 13 through 21 just to kind of give us an idea of what we're going to be looking at today. And then we'll finish out through verse 25 as we walk through this text. But look at verse 13 with me. Peter says this, be subject, depending on your translation, I'm reading from the ESV, it may say submit. Be subject or submit for the Lord's sake. Remember how I told you last week, I'm gonna sound like a broken record for as long as you attend Salem Chapel. Uh, I think it's awesome that you underline in your Bible. So, so I mentioned, like, like, not that I'm special, but that's what I do, so I'm not asking you to do something that I wouldn't do. I encourage you to underline in your Bible for the Lord's sake, which God willing, we're gonna get some new lights installed so you can actually read your Bible if you're in the back, by the way. Uh, be subject for the Lord's sake. That ought to be underlined in your Bible, or I encourage you to do so, to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. Ought to underline that phrase as well. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God... One endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. You know, there's certain passages of Scripture in God's Word that you just love to go to. And then there's other passages of scriptures where you're like, eh, like, like we're in church, let's be honest, right? Don't leave me up here hanging. 
Like everybody loves Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans for you to prosper. And to give you a future. We love that verse. I have that verse on my wall in my house. We love that verse. This is not necessarily a passage of scripture I have on my house. In fact, you're probably not going to go to Hobby Lobby and, and see this passage on that you can buy to hang on your wall. Probably not going to happen. I call Hobby Lobby the place where men die, but nevertheless, you know, next we're going to look about husbands love your wives according to knowledge, so that may be an action item for you next week. Tune in next week. <laughs> this week, though, we're, we're not dealing with husbands and wives but we are dealing with authority. So here's the title of the message this morning, Submitting to Authority. And when we come to these passages of Scripture, I just want to encourage you, and we're going to walk through it verse by verse because that's what we do at Salem Chapel. But I want to encourage you that to not look for the loopholes in this, but to look at how God wants you to apply this to your life today. Those of you watching online, this is not the time for you to turn me off right now. God wants you to hear this. And so can we just pray just very quickly, but just a prayer of surrender, that Lord, would you show me how I as a Christ follower can submit to authority in my life. God, we're here today. We're here to hear from you. We have a promise that when your word is open, your mouth is open. Hebrews 4.12 says your word is quick, it's powerful, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So God, may we have lives that are open to your word, ready to hear from you, ready to not just be the foolish man and hear it, but be the wise man and obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the idea that I want you to get today. Your submission to authority is rooted in your trust in Christ's authority. Like, I can't say that enough. That my submission to authority, my maverick personality, if you're like me, that my submission to authority is rooted in your, in my trust in Christ's authority. See, the central theme of this section, really it goes all the way through verse seven of chapter three. We're gonna look at that next week, Lord willing. The central theme of this section is found in the very first word, or if you're in my translation, the first two words, that word submit or be subject. Be subject is, is, is one word. It comes from the word submit. It literally means to willingly Place yourself under something or someone. And that the idea that believers, what Peter is saying here, that the believers, people that have been different in Jesus Christ, believers are to be subject to governing authorities, not as an exception, but actually as a standard. This is a standard part of the New Testament. Jesus says it. Paul says it. Peter says it. It represents a general truth. Like what Peter is giving here is a general truth. What should Christians do in most situations when confronting governing authorities? 
And I say most because, yes, there are exceptions. And we'll mention those just so that we don't leave those out. And you're wondering, well, why didn't he say this? If you're, you know, know more about the Bible than maybe somebody else. But what he's saying here is believers need to be people that submit to the authority that God's placed in their life. Not rebellious people, not vigilantes, not anarchists. Peaceful people understanding that I'm under Christ's authority, which means I need to submit to the authority that he has placed over me. Now, Acts 5.29, Peter says this. Let's just deal with some of these passages of Scripture because I think it's important. Acts 5.29, Peter, same person that wrote this letter, is standing before the council of religious leaders, okay? He and the apostles, they don't like that that they're preaching the gospel, They don't like that they're literally telling them, you killed Jesus, because you didn't accept that he was the Savior. And what what he says there is he says, uh, we must obey God rather than men in Acts 5, 29. So let me explain this. The The universe is not a democracy. Did you need to be reminded of that today? Like, you don't get a vote. Like, we live in a country where we love to have a vote, we love to have a say, your say is equal to my say, that's what we want, but the universe is not a democracy. God does not vote by the rule of majority. He's like, like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, Uh, hey, Robert, what do you think? God doesn't rule by a majority. It's not a democracy. Like, think about even the Ten Commandments. Jesus didn't call them the Ten Suggestions. He didn't say, hey, Moses, come down off the mountain, and I want you to suggest this to my people. Ten commandments, not ten suggestions, right? It's not a democracy. There's a hierarchical structure of authority in the universe. And you want to know what it is? It's that the sovereign God of the universe, God the Father, is our leader. He rules, he reigns, And he's delegated that authority to his son, Jesus Christ. He's called the King of Kings. He's called the Lord of Lords. So the top of this hierarchical structure in the universe is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's so important to remember that he is the ultimate one who is ruling not just North Carolina, Winston-Salem, but the universe. We forget that. Romans 13.1 says this, let every person be subject, submit to the governing authorities. Why? For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. What is, what is Paul doing? Romans 13 is a great cross-reference passage to what we're going to look at in 1 Peter 2. He's saying, listen, you need to submit to authority, but part of the motivation to submit to authority, it's rooted in your trust in Christ's authority. Nothing takes God by surprise. No ruler that's put in place. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Last passage we'll read outside of this main text. We walked through Colossians last year. For by him all things, say all things, all things. All things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, say it again, all things. 
and in him he holds all things together. See, we all got to go all the way back to the garden with this idea of submitting to authority and our responsibilities as followers of Jesus Christ. Because when Adam and Eve chose to not submit to the Lord as their authority, what did they do? They sinned. God says, I'm creating this utopia for you. You have everything. You have fellowship with me. You're perfect. Adam's a 10, Eve. Uh, Eve, or, or Adam, Eve's a 10. Like, like, I'm sure they were perfect in this perfect world. But God also created them with a choice, and he puts this tree, and unfortunately, Adam and Eve chose not to submit to the Lord as their authority, and so what happened? Sin passed to all mankind. Sin entered the world. Therefore, when I choose not to submit to authority, what I am doing is, is I am living into that sinful nature that has been passed on to me. Because I don't know about you, but it is not in Johnny Pereira's nature to submit, And can I tell you, if you're feeling a little self-righteous this morning, it ain't in you either. But when I choose to submit to authority, when I make that choice, when I live into the authority of Christ over me, and therefore I submit to that authority, what it does is it gives witness that I trust Christ. It's really what Peter's getting at. I want you to submit to authority. But Peter, you have no, no. I want you to submit to authority. Because when you submit to authority, you give evidence that you truly trust Christ's authority. That's what Peter's getting after in this passage of Scripture. So here's what I want to do in the time that we have left. I want to give you four things that happen when we trust Christ's authority over all things. Four things that happen in regard to how you, how I view the authority that God's placed in my life. Here's the first one. It's found in verses 13 and 14. We already read it, so I'm not going to read it again. But here's the first thing that happens. I submit to authority believing it is serving a greater purpose than myself. Man, when I trust in Christ's authority... That, Lord, you had the authority to save me. You loved me enough to save me. You had the authority to do that because you submitted to the will of the Father and you lived and you died and you rose again for my sins. I fully trust in Christ's authority that when I submit to that authority on this earth that God has placed over me, I'm doing that because I'm believing that that submission, that act, actually is serving a greater purpose than myself. Now, can we just highlight some words here? Peter says every human institution. So if you're like me, you know, I'm a little more of a contrarian. I'm, I like to poke holes into whatever someone says. I know it's a terrible thing, isn't it? Don't judge me because you're probably like that too. So when I look and I'm like, Peter says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. You know what my mind goes? Every? Really? I can think of some things that everyone would not judge me that I don't want to submit to that. I think that's a stupid rule. You ever do that? Oh my goodness, if 2020 was not one of those years. It doesn't make sense. 
Every, every part of my being wants to give examples, but I'm not going to do so. He said, every human institution, I'm not going in that line mine, every institution, and here's what he means by that. He means both the emperor and the governing authorities of the, of the day in which Peter is writing. And when he says governors, literally what he means is any civil authority. Now, can we just remind ourselves, I talked about this at the beginning of this series in the context of 1 Peter. Nero is the emperor right now. Nero, the one that was lighting Christians on fire to light his courtyard. Nero, the one that blamed the fires of Rome on the Christians when actually he's the one that started them. Yeah, that's the emperor right now. Now here's what Peter's not condoning. He's not condoning Nero's actions when he says, be subject He's not saying that Christians should be in favor of those actions, obviously. He's not saying that they need to abandon their faith because he doesn't particularly agree with it, nor condone it, nor celebrate it. But here's what he's saying. He's saying they need to be trusting in Christ's authority as greater than the decisions of those in authority. Therefore, be subject to them. That's hard. (laughs) And here's the motivation. It's why I had you underline this. My motivation to submit to authority is the Lord's sake, not my sake. See, it's once again, remember that if you were here last week and if you weren't, you can watch it online on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page or a podcast. But remember we put up that chart and when my self-love and my self-glory is at the center, I feed into those passions of the flesh. And so if really I view myself as my governing authority, and if it doesn't agree with me, if it doesn't jive with me, if it doesn't make me feel good, if it inhibits me, then therefore I have every right to rebel. But what is Peter saying here? No, no, no. You're not being subject and being submissive for your sake. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. There's a purpose in doing it. And we're gonna get to that more as we walk through this passage of scripture. But can we just talk about how that applies to where we live right now? Listen, I don't care if you voted for Trump and whether you voted for Biden. Neither one of those guys are Nero. Thank the Lord. And I just wonder if we as Christians, if we brought ourselves back to passages of Scripture like this that are important for us to walk through because this is God's Word, and they're not the Jeremiah 29 11s, and they're not the John 3 16s, and they're not the Philippians 4 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but they are important passages of Scripture. Because if I wonder if Christians, if the church actually reminded themselves of this passage of Scripture, if there wouldn't be so much division in the American church. Because you voted for Biden or you voted for Trump or you showed too much allegiance to Trump over trust in Christ's authority or whatever it is. And said, wait a minute. 
Do I need to exercise my vote? Absolutely. Do I need to use God's word as the standard by, by who I vote for? Absolutely. I'm not saying any of those things. But listen to me. Nothing took God by surprise in 2016, and nothing took God by surprise in 2020. And I wonder if it would have just stopped us from picking up the keyboards. And I wonder if you scrolled through my Facebook page or your Facebook page or your social media or my social media, and someone could look at that and say, that person is choosing to submit to authority because they believe that there's a greater purpose than themselves. That's what Peter is getting at. That's what we need to remind ourselves of. You know, one of the positive things for 2020 is that we all got to know who our official, governing officials are besides the president. Like, I mean, I've only lived in this state for four years. I, had, I could tell you who the governor of Florida is and who a lot of the officials were in southwest Florida in Collier County, which is the county of Naples where I lived for over 10 years. Like, I was very familiar with that because I've lived there long enough. But now all of a sudden I know Governor Cooper. I know Mandy Cohen. I know our mayor. I know the school board. Like, I didn't know any of those people before this. And so I look at that and I'm like, whether or not I agree or disagree with what they are choosing to do, you know what the Lord really convicted me of? How often are you praying for those people? They're not in that role by chance. I put them there. Yeah, but I'm excited and I voted for them. God still put them there. Oh, I didn't vote for them. God still put them there. And we just need to call, maybe take a step back. And listen, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. And we need to remind ourselves, wait a minute. My authority and submission to it is rooted in my trust in Christ's authority. And when I understand that, man, I see submission as serving a greater purpose than myself. Here's the second thing that happens when we trust Christ's authority over all things. I submit my authority as part of God's will for my life. Like, it's actually part of God's will for your life. You're like, I'm not sure about that. Okay, then maybe you were sleeping when I read through verse 15, so let me read it again. For this is the will of God. Like, there's no mystery. What's one of the big questions of life? What is God's will for my life, right? It's the big question. Am I gonna miss it? I'm going to be off by a hair, like is it a bullseye, and man, I didn't get it in the 10, but I got it in the 8, so hopefully the 8 will be okay with God. Well, first of all, God's will is not like that. When I obey his word, when I submit to his word, when I submit to his authority in my life, his authority, his word, when I actually look to obey what he says is his will, then the other things are going to be in his will. It's not like skeet shooting. And what I love is, what my flesh doesn't love, but what I love is, is that it's clear, it's direct. Hey, this is part of God's will. 
So it's not a matter up for debate. You don't get a vote. The only vote I get is am I going to obey or am I going to disobey? Am I going to submit? Am I not going to submit? Now, here's what this is not. I've been saying a lot of that because I want to try to answer every question that you're thinking. So you walk out of here and you're like, holy cow, like Johnny was reading my mind. Well, if that's the case, then it's because you've been asking the same questions I have when I look at this text. Here's what this is not. This is not a treat me as a doormat passage. It's not what this is. It's not condoning the injustices that are going on in the time that Peter is writing this. And it's not a condoning of the injustices that happen in our day or in your life or it may have happened to you in the past. But it's speaking of being productive citizens. Remember, this is a general truth. I read to you some of the exceptions. If some authority says to do something that's contrary of God's word, then God is clear that we obey God, not men. But we are called to be productive citizens. Our actions are to be within the bounds of authority that have been set in place. Why? Because your actions speak louder than your words. You know what grieved me? Is that at those Capitol riots, I was seeing crosses and things like that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. God's not called us to be vigilantes. He's called us to proclaim a kingdom that is not of this world. Why? Because it's God's will for our life. Now, here's the big problem. Can I just like open up and be transparent on this stage, because there's only a few of you watching, right? No, I'm kidding. Is my problem is, you know, when I thought about this passage of Scripture, I'm like, man, Lord, why is this so hard for me? And really, if it's hard for me, it's hard for you. It's because we don't like to be put in a place where we're not in control. And if there's ever something that I learned about myself in a greater way in this last year of 2020, and we're still in it at the beginning of this year in 2021, is that I have been reminded in profound ways that I'm not in control. And that's not an easy thing to be reminded of. Because usually when we're put in that situation, we, have, we make two choices. We want to fight or we want to run. Those are the two choices that we have. And really, when you think about it, the reason why we fight against authority in our life and the reason why I gave you the main idea of this passage about my submission to authority is rooted in my trust in Christ's authority because at the end of the day, we don't trust God. Now God, that was a total miss. You swung and you whiffed. And so if I don't trust in God's authority, and that God is in control, when I'm reminded that I'm not in control, then you know what I default to? The only person that I can trust is myself. Can I tell you from experience? That's dangerous. 
Jeremiah 17, 9, we know this verse. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Listen, when I'm starting to believe that the only person that I can trust is myself, then I better, make, I better wake up and to the reality that I'm not just about to hurt myself, but I'm also about to hurt others. What Peter is driving home is, no, 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 no. I know that there's individuals that are not ruling according to God's word. But what motivates you to submit to the authority that I've placed in your life is a trust in my authority. Think about this. So, like I said, I've lived in Winston for four years. And there's many things. I've never lived in North Carolina before. I've born and raised, grew up in Florida for most of my uh, life, a few years in Pennsylvania where my, my wife Lori is from. But the vast majority of my life has been in Florida. And so there's been many things that have uh, amazed me about North Carolina. Like I love the mountains. I love the leaves. I love the change in seasons. You know, it, and, and if you said, well, what's one of the things that were shocking to you? You might think that I would say that when we get a hint, a whisper, that it might snow here, that the world shuts down in Forsyth County and the greater Triad area. That milk and bread fly off the shelves. I mean, I remember when I lived here, I was like, what do they, what's everybody do? Make French toast when you're snowed in? Like, you might say that would probably be the thing that shocked Johnny the most about living in North Carolina, but, you, and that is perplexing. But not the most perplexing thing to me. You know what the most perplexing thing to me? How short the on-ramps are <laughs> in our city. Like, I remember I went to Bowman Gray last year, first time I ever went to Bowman Gray. I was actually having some conversation if that's going to open up again. Like, that was amazing to me. I've never experienced anything like that in my life before. I'm a, I'm a city boy. It was amazing. But I'll be honest with you. I don't know if it's because this is like NASCAR country, but literally I was driving yes, yesterday uh, to Lexington, and I'm on 52, and I literally have the gas floored to get onto the main highway off the on-ramp because they're like 100 feet. It's shocking to me. But think about that. When I'm merging on to 40 or 52, you know what I'm doing when I'm merging besides oftentimes pressing the gas, and I promise you I'm not, I'm submitting to authority, I'm obeying the speed laws, like I'm not contradicting this text. But as I'm, as I'm driving, you know what I'm, I'm thinking to myself? Okay, I can't just think, you know what? Doesn't matter who's in my way, baby. I'm coming through. No, what do I do? I look. I slow down. Why? I got to merge. Because they have the right of way. And think about it. Our lives, we want to be in control. We... We, we want to we just merge and to live our lives the way that we want to live them. But the reality is, is God has the right of way. God's saying, no, 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 this is the right of way. You merge into what I say. 
And just like if I just go in and say, you know what? I don't want to submit to any authority. I, I, I am going to drive like I'm on Bowman Gray. And I'm just going to run into everybody. If you hit me, guess what? Uh, Florida was a no-fault state. North Carolina's not. So I'm going to say that you hit me. We go on and on and on. Why? What's going to happen? There's going to be an accident. And too often when I say I'm not going to submit to authority, I'm not going to trust authority, I'm not going to merge and understand, no, no, God has the right of way in my life, not myself, it oftentimes ends in an accident at the least, sometimes a tragedy. Titus 3.1 says this, remind them, Christians, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Like that ought to be on everybody's computer screen. Here's the third. Third thing that happens when I trust Christ's authority in all things according to in regard to submission, number three, I submit to authority as a testimony that I'm different in Christ. We gotta move quick. Look at verses 16 through 20. It says, live as people who are not as free, not, who, are, who are free, excuse me, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. What Peter is saying here is you are free in Christ. What an amazing reality. It's amazing. Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus for those who have put their trust in Christ as their Savior. Praise God for that. Galatians 5, 1 says it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. To live in the freedom that you have all of the favor of God on your life through Jesus Christ. I'm not motivated by guilt to live this life, but out of gratitude. Man, I'm free. But what he's saying here is my freedom in Christ is not to be used as a hall pass to do whatever I want to do. You have no authority over me. Christ is my king. Is that a true statement? Yes. But it's not a true statement in how I live. Is Christ my ultimate king? Absolutely. Praise God for that. That's what gives me hope when I see things happening that don't jive with God's word. But it doesn't give me a hall pass to do whatever I want, to be a vigilante for Jesus. That's not what it does. Remember that little hymn, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Remember that? Here's a little adaptation, Johnny's version, that we shouldn't be singing. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, so I can do whatever I want to do. No. I submit to authority as a testimony that I'm different in Jesus Christ. He lists some things. The gospel makes them, makes us different. And what does it motivate us to do? Let me just list what he says. He says, honor means respect everyone. We talked about last week, everyone's made in the image of God. That's why we, we show equality and dignity and value to every man, woman, and child, regardless of their background, regardless of their sin, regardless of how they identify themselves, regardless of their color. No, 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 we honor everyone. We love, he says, the brotherhood, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love them. Why? Because our commonality is in Jesus Christ. He says, we fear God. In other words, that word fear means worshipful submission to the Lord. Listen to me. If you're not submitting to authority, I can guarantee you you're not submitting to the Lord. He says, honor the emperor. Now, we don't have an emperor today, but we have a president. 
And when I look at this passage, does it really, mean, does it really give me wiggle room? Well, if I don't like him, I don't have to honor him. Man, have we forgotten that as followers of Jesus Christ. He uses here in this passage, servants be subject to your masters. Now, when we went through Colossians, I explained the difference between uh, slavery in the uh, ancient Near East and what we experience in our country. And slavery was bad regardless of where you lived. There were differences, though, in the sense that bond servants, servants were made up of all races, they could be educated, they could gain status. We see that with Joseph, we see that with Daniel. I'm not saying this to excuse it, I'm just saying again the differences. People would be bond servants of Rome, overthrowing other empires, helping in those conquests to pay off whatever debts they had. They actually weren't the lowest class of, of society. So when I look at this passage of scripture and I say, well, praise God, slavery doesn't exist today in whatever form it is, I can say that we can apply that to how we submit to our employer. Regardless of whether or not I like him or her. Regardless or not if I think that I should have gotten the promotion and they didn't, and I can give you a whole litany of reasons why I should have gotten it. No, no, no. Peter says, better yet, the Holy Spirit through Peter says, no, no, no. Be subject to them. And he actually says, hey, what, what glory of the Lord is it that if you do good, you get a pat on the back for it, or if you do bad and you get reprimanded for it, that's obvious, but what a testimony that you are different in Christ, that when you're treated unjustly, that you still respond with grace and you trust that to Christ's authority. That is a testimony of Jesus. Here's the last thing and we'll be done. I submit to authority as part of my discipleship. Verse 21 through 25 says, for this you have been called. This is a calling My flesh wants to say, God, why did you put this in here? It's a calling. And man, when I want to buck up, when I want to bow my chest, when I want to say, no, 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 you don't understand, all of a sudden, my chest caves in a little bit, my shoulders droop, because I read, you've been called, why? Because Christ also suffered for you. He left you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. The only person who was completely innocent in this world was Jesus Christ. He had every reason to fight against his accusers. He had every reason to call down angels and wipe out those people that whipped him, that mocked him, that beat him. Praise God that wasn't you or me. Because we would have done it. But he committed no sin, verse 22. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He had a trust in God's authority. He had a trust in God's plan. 
he had a trust in God's purpose. That no, 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 God needs me to go through this because there's a greater purpose, there's a greater plan, there's a greater benefit for someone other than my sake. So what did the Lord do? He submitted. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins. Here's the purpose. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Praise God he didn't buck the authority. Praise God he submitted to the will of the Father in that garden and walked down that treacherous road to the cross and submitted himself to those things. Why? Because by those wounds, you and I are healed. By those wounds, if you're watching or in this room, you can be healed. You can put your trust in Jesus Christ's sacrifice and resurrection for your sins. He wasn't submitting Pilate? John 19, 11 says this, Jesus answered him, Pilate, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. What is Jesus saying? No, no, no. Right now, in this pain, Right now in this unjust act, I'm trusting in Christ's authority. Doesn't mean I'm a doormat. Doesn't mean that there aren't times where I have to say, no, no, this is what God's word says and I'm gonna choose to obey him rather than men. We've already mentioned all those. But let me tell you, more often times than not, we submit to authority because Christ did. And we need to turn our gaze beyond the earthly authorities over us, and once again look to Jesus and entrust our lives to his authority over all things. Why? Because look at the way that Peter closes this out. For you were straying like sheep. Don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? I rescued you from your sin. And what is Jesus called? But now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The Lord's still the shepherd regardless of whatever civil authority is over you. He's still the overseer and protector of your soul. See, my submission to authority is rooted in my trust in Christ's authority. Lord, we're here today to remind ourselves that you are our king to remind ourselves that the universe is not ruled by a democracy. Lord, I don't get a vote. And Lord, there is nothing that would warn me to get one. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. But Lord, praise be to God that Jesus Christ rules and reign. And even though we live in this sinful world right now, and sometimes it can look like that the devil is winning and that you are losing, Lord, we know that you are coming back. We know that you will rule and reign one day. We know that sin will be no more in this place. But God, until then, we are called to represent what it looks like to have a life that has been changed by Jesus Christ. Lord, may we be people who submit to the authority in our lives. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?